Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. Let's let's get to the let's get to the word of God. So on 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 the first um, on the on part one of the great advantage. We spoke on what we titled, I, I am not disadvantaged. Right. So in part one, we said, I am not, I am not disadvantaged. And uh, we're looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. <clears throat> in the life of a believer. And then on part number two, on part number two, we said, I now I can see what's happening now. People are copying. <laughs> but part number two, we said, I, I, I will not disadvantage myself. So part number one, we are saying, I am not disadvantaged. So that's the bigger picture that you need to have a look at as you consider the season that we are in, as you consider the next decade, that you are not disadvantaged. God hasn't disadvantaged you. God made it in such a way that you are not disadvantaged. But uh, you, you, there is a danger that even though the advantage is around you, you can still disadvantage yourself. Right? There is that possibility. You see, uh, I've seen a number of people, you know, when we come here, we are advantaged because we're exposed to a lot of opportunities. But still, with, uh, while we're surrounded with so many opportunities that uh, work to our advantage, but you still find a number of people still disadvantaging themselves in a system that is working to their advantage. Am I communicating to somebody in the house? So number one, we said, I'm not disadvantaged. And last week we said, I will not disadvantage myself. But I've also come to learn that uh, you could be living in an environment where everything is to your advantage. And uh, you're working so hard not to disadvantage yourself. But there is also a, a, a chance or a risk where uh, you, you can fall into deception where other people can disadvantage you yeah where other people can come and try to work things that can disadvantage you but not necessarily people i want to zero it down to the enemy that the enemy can come and try to what to disadvantage you so today i want to conclude this session by saying to you i shall not be disadvantaged yeah i shall not be disadvantaged right I've made up my mind that I'm kinda clear about the season that I am in. That as far as heaven is concerned, I am not disadvantaged. And as an individual, I've made up my mind that I will not disadvantage myself. So I'm not going to make decisions that are going to disadvantage myself in this season. But also, I want to be watchful about people surrounding me. Lest they come and they disadvantage me. Lest deception comes in and it works against me. So this morning, I just want to seal this series by saying to you, or I want you to go home today with this word, I shall not be disadvantaged. If it's your word, I want you to repeat after me. I shall not be disadvantaged. I was wondering which one is better or which one has more power. I shall not be disadvantaged or I will not be disadvantaged. English teachers help us. I shall, I think, carries more power. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter number 8, verse number 16. 
I think uh, a lot of us, we know the song, but maybe you thought the song wasn't from the scripture. Our good friend, minister, pastor, Michael Mahendere, did a wonderful song called The Witness. Yeah, anybody who's heard the song? If you come from Africa, if you're like me, he did a wonderful song, and, and um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not very good in singing the song, but I think it goes along the lines like, yeah, anybody who's heard the song? Right. Now, the English translation to that song is Romans chapter number 8, verse number 16. And the scripture says, the spirit himself, now the spirit is referring to the Holy Spirit. Are we together there? The spirit is referring to the Holy Spirit. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The spirit himself, he does not assign somebody, but himself, he testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Can we try the amplified version? The spirit himself testifies, and this one adds a bit more life to it. He testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we, the believers, are children of God. The spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, bringing assurance to us that we, the ones who believe, are children of God. Do you have the message translation by any chance? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are. Father and children. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is. And not only that, but we also know who we are. So who, he, who is he and who are we? Father and children. I don't think you've got these translations. The contemporary English version, C-E-V, I will forgive you. It says, God's spirit makes us sure that we are his children another translation. God's spirit makes us so crystal sure that we are God's children. Somebody shout, I'm a child of God. I woke up this morning and I was singing the song that says I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Do you know the song? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Now, in this season of his manifestation, that is the Holy Spirit, in this season of manifestation, we are saying we have the great advantage. And the great advantage to us is the Holy Spirit. But you also need to be careful lest you allow the enemy to deceive you. 
But when I was looking in the scripture, there are a number of roles that are played by the Holy Spirit. And last week we spoke about one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And it is the role of guidance. He provides that inward voice of what? That inward voice of guidance. That is one key role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. But I want you to understand that there is another role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. It is the role of testifying. Or it is the role of witnessing to our spirit. And the scripture is very specific. When the Holy Spirit comes to testify to our spirit, he testifies that we are God's children. So the great, one of the greatest advantages that you have that is given by the Spirit to you as a believer, it is the advantage of you having the assurance of who you are. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Now, in order for us to fully embrace what Paul was writing in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 16, Paul was writing to the believers who were living in Rome. I want you to get this. If I, I don't want you to miss this one, so I really want you to listen to me very carefully. When Paul was writing the book of Romans, he was writing to believers who were living in Rome. Now, the composition of the believers in Rome, the, it was a mixture of the Jews and the Gentiles. But it's believed that the bigger number of the people in that church, they were actually Gentiles. And remember, Rome is far away from Jerusalem. So as he's writing, he's writing to a church that is mixed. And uh, the culture that was prevailing at that particular time, it was the Greek culture and also the, Rome, the Roman culture. Now, as Paul is writing Romans chapter number 8, especially I think from verse number 14, verse 15, up to verse number 17 there, he is trying to encourage the believers in Rome so that they can fully understand that they have been embraced in the family of God. That they have been embraced in the family of God. But the language that Paul uses, he uses the language of adoption. Somebody say adoption. Now, those who do social work, uh, I'm sure this is one of the languages that you know. You deal sometimes with children that have been adopted or maybe you're actually planning to adopt a child, whether it's you have a heart for other children or maybe for monetary reasons. We, some, some of us, we know the whole process of adoption. But as Paul was writing Romans chapter number 8, he, he is he's writing to a people who understand the Roman system of adoption. So let me just explain it to you so that you can fully understand when Paul says, the spirit testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. Now, in, in, in the Roman culture, there was provision for adoption. But then it had to be done according to the law of the Romans for it to be binding. So it would happen that Mr. Majaya makes a decision that I want to release Nyasha. I heard some, I heard some sounds in him saying, never, never over my dead body, I could tell that. 
I'm not prophesying, but I heard it. So suppose Deacon Busy wants to adopt Nyasha. Right. You could not just go and just take him. And adoption was not just done because Nyasha is misbehaving. But it could be an arrangement which the parents are actually in agreement of. So what would happen now according to the Roman law? There are two steps to adoption according to the Roman law. The first step was what they call emancipation. That was the first step. Now, in this first step of uh, the process of uh, adoption, they would do what they called symbolic cell. Somebody say symbolic cell. I really want you to get this. So step number one is emancipation. That's step number one. In that step of emancipation, they did what they called symbolic cell. Now, in symbolic cell, they took copper and then they took the scales. It's not like us nowadays where you know the value of the money. Back then, they would take the copper, put it on a scale, yeah, and they would see if it weighs enough for them to do the exchange. But they would do that symbolically. So what they are doing, uh, Mr. Majaya, is more like he's selling Nyasha to Deacon Bezi. But they would do that three times. Right. They would do the symbolic sell three times. So the first time, Deacon Bezi and Mr. Majaya, they would do the symbolic sell outside him. Are we together there? So they would exchange money. He brings in money and he takes the money. Right. And he would take the money. He is, the, he is, he is buying. Right. And he is selling. Right. So Deacon would bring in the money to him. Right. And once they have done that part, Mr. Majaya would sell Nyasha back to to Deacon. Right. So the money that he got, he would give it back to to Deacon. And Deacon would take back the money again and give to Mr. Majaya. It's like he's, he's, he's buying for the second for the second time. But for the third time, Mr. Majaya is not supposed to buy back Nyasha. Is that clear? They have done the transaction two times. But on the third time, Mr. Majaya is not supposed to buy back Nyasha. The first time he sent him and then he took him back. The second time he released him and he took him back. But the third time he lets him go, he does not buy Nyasha back. So by virtue of Mr. Majaya not buying back Nyasha, it means that he is... He is He's, there is now a demarcation that Nyasha does not longer belong to you. Not temporarily. Nyasha does not belong to you any longer, anymore. So, once that happens, it simply means that all the rights that Nyasha had when he was under his father's power, they are lost, they are gone. Every right that Nyasha had when he was in this family, all those rights, they are gone. 
not only the rights, but when Mr. Majaya did not buy back again Nyasha to this side, it also meant that the life that Nyasha had while he was on this side is wiped away. The life that Nyasha had when he was on this side, that life is wiped away. So imagine if Nyasha had a debt of one million while he was under Mr. Majaya's powers. Because fathers in those times, they had absolute power over their children, regardless of age. Right. It was dead we had the final say. Sounds like African gouge, isn't it? Dead he had the final say. But the moment Nyasha is released to Deacon Manchepisa, if Nyasha had a debt of one million while he was on this side, but when the adoption is done and is completed, and now Nyasha is on the other side, even the debts were wiped out. So in other words, the life that Nyasha had here is different to the life that he's having here. Here, Nyasha is having a brand new start in his life. His old life is completely gone by virtue of what? By virtue of adoption. That was the step number one, which is emancipation. Now, step number two was what they called vindication. Step number one is what? Emancipation. Where they did the symbolic cell. Three times. Two times you would let him go, but the third time you would not buy him back. Step number two is what they called vindication. After they had done this, they would then go to the major street for the major street to put the legal endorsement to the transfer. So that it's legally binding. Can you see that it wasn't an easy thing to do? It's not something that you just do in your house and, uh, and then just conclude and then you wake up in the morning things have changed. But you had to go to the major street to have this arrangement be solidified by the courts of the law. That's what they would do. But here is the part that I want you to understand. Can I, is it possible to get seven people? Now, when this process was taking place of adoption, this is the part that I really want you to get. When the whole process of adoption was taking place, when they were doing the symbolic sale, when they were going to the major street, they were supposed to pick seven citizens who are coming in not for any other purpose but just to witness the ceremony. Seven people, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They had to come and witness the ceremony. Why did they need witnesses? So that if the father, in the event that Deacon Mbizi dies, right, and now it's time for his inheritance to be given to the children. In the event that there is a dispute that rises and people are saying, no, this child is not Deacon Mbizi's child. Any one of these people or seven of them, they could go to the courts and say, we were present when the adoption took place. It was legitimate. So in other words, their testimony is saying, Nyasha is Deacon Mbizi's son. Am I talking to somebody in the house? When they go to the court of the law and somebody is disputing, even if Deacon Mbizi had children, other sons, 
The other sons, they cannot say, you know what? He cannot participate in our father's estate because he was adopted. No, they would, they could not do that because the moment he's adopted, he's just the same as the biological children in the family. So when the estate is being divided, he had a portion. He was supposed to be given the portion that is equally given to the biological children. Why? Because the adoption process or the ceremony has embraced him into the family as a legitimate child. So if a dispute was to rise up, any one of these seven people, and I'm glad that they chose seven people in case one or two dies. We still have a witness to say, you know what? The adoption took place. It did happen. So the ministry or the, the role of these seven people is to come and say, yes, this one is a legitimate child. To dig one busy. Thank you so much. You may take a seat. I'll ask uh, our administrator to give you 10 pieces. If he agrees. Thank you so much. You may take a seat. Now, so when Paul was saying, the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. He's saying to them, you know what? If you read verse number, I think verse number 15, it says, for we were not given the spirit of fear back to bondage again. Now, let's read that. Let's read that. Verse number 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, that is where now we cry, Abba, Father. Abba and Father are the same. But the difference is that when they say Abba, even, even nowadays when you go to the eastern countries, when they say Abba, Abba is more than Father. Abba is Daddy. Abba is Daddy. Abba is not just saying, Father, please help me. It's daddy. It's, it's another level of a relationship. It speaks of an intimate relationship between the father and the children. But listen to what Paul says. He says, you did not receive the spirit of fear back to bondage or to slavery again. But rather, you received the spirit whereby you cry, Abba, Father. You receive the spirit of sonship or the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. So in other words, Paul is saying, you were not part of this family God. You were not part of the God family. But when God came in through the finished work of his son, Father, the Father God, he came in and he adopted you into the family. And when he adopted you into the family, your old life was gone. Oh. Everything that you did in your old life, he's saying, is wiped away. That is why the scripture in Colossians says, when Christ was nailed on the cross, he came and he nailed all the handwritings on the wall. Everything that was in the past, it was completely wiped away. And I'm glad there's a song that we normally sing and it says, I am so glad that Jesus took my sins away. He took my sins away. He took my sins away. I am so glad that Jesus took my sins away. He took my sins away. 
So once the sins have been taken away, your life has completely changed. So when God moved us from our old life, where the sinful nature was our father, was our master, when he moved us from there, the old life is completely gone. Your life has completely changed. But what I'm glad is that when all this adoption ceremony was taking place, guess who was the witness? It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to witness the adoption ceremony when you were being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The Holy Spirit was there to witness, to witness, to witness. So here is the challenge that now you face in your everyday life is that the enemy wants to come and challenge the legitimacy, the legitimacy of your place in the family of God. That is the greatest, one of the greatest challenges that you're going to encounter in your Christian journey. Where the enemy comes and he wants to plant an idea in you that you're not really a child of God. Have you ever gone through challenges in life and people start to question, is God really your God? Or are they saying directly, where is your God? In other way, they're saying, where is your father if he is your father? They are challenging your position in the family. But what I'm so glad about is that the Holy Spirit, when he comes now, he's not waiting to go and testify in the laws, in the courts of laws, that, ah, no, 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 this one is the shout of God. But rather the Spirit takes it to another level where he's not testifying to the courts, but he's testifying to your very own spirit. That, hey, 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 you are a child of God. It's one thing for people to say to you, you're a child of God. It's another different dimension for you to be so sure that you're a child of God. It's one thing for pastor to say to you, when you're born again, you're a child of God. But it's another thing for you to come to a place and a level where you've got confidence in yourself that indeed I am a child of God. And that's the place that I want you to get to in your Christian journey. Where you no longer doubt who you are. And you no longer doubt who is father and children. I'm part of the family. I am a legitimate child. I'm entitled to the, to the estate of the father. That is why the scripture says, I think when you go to verse number 17. It says, now we are heirs. Uh, let's, let's read it in case other people are saying pastor. You're using the bed for the translation. Now we are children. Then we are heirs. Heirs of God. Not only heirs of God, but co-heirs with Christ. So Christ was already in the family. Now when you are adopted, you and Christ are now brothers. So whatever the son is entitled to, the scripture is saying now, we are co-heirs. We are now co-heirs with Christ. So where the father is, is giving out his, his, his estate to his children, you are now a co-heir with Christ. You are now entitled to what Christ is entitled to. Oh, I think that's powerful. Yeah. Whatever God gave to Christ, he is willing to give to you. Why? Because you are now his child. You are now his child. 
But what does the enemy come and try to do in your life? He tries to work a deception to you. Bring you to a place where you doubt who you are. Where you doubt your position in the God family. Where you doubt that God is your daddy. He's more than your father, but he's your daddy. And that's one battle the enemy will always fight in your mind and in your life. Where you doubt your place in the family. You are a child. Somebody said, I am a child of God. Somebody said, I am a child of God. But I like the witness of the spirit because the spirit is coming to testify to our spirits that we are children of God. And the Holy Spirit does not live outside. He lives inside you. The Holy Spirit does not live in heaven. He does not come to you temporarily once in a while or on a Sunday morning. But the Holy Spirit lives in you. So that means when you are going through stuff in your life, the Holy Spirit is continuing to witness to you. He's testifying and saying, don't forget. Don't forget. You're a child of God. Don't forget who you are. You are a child of God. When storms are raging over your life, the Holy Spirit is whispering on the inside. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Imagine like this. Imagine, 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 imagine. Imagine if Prince Charles, if he forgets that Queen, Queen Elizabeth, if he forgets that Queen Elizabeth is my mom. Can you imagine the danger that will happen? Just by virtue of what? Forgetting. Imagine with that kind of a life that they are entitled to. And you forget who he is in the family. And that's one danger that we're faced with as believers. Many times we do life, we go around, but we forget who we really are. And that's why the enemy wants to divert your mind, divert your attention, divert the direction of your life from realizing and, and having so confidence that I am God's child. Because your power must emanate from who you are connected to. You are God's child. Now, it's, it's this thing of the father and children that Jesus had trouble with the Pharisees. That's, 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 where the, that's where the battle was. The reason... The major reason that they, 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 they were always fighting him, they were saying, you know what, how can you say God is your father? Can you see? How can you say that God is your, is your father? Listen, at baptism, when he was beginning his ministry, Matthew 4, verse 1, Luke 4, verse number 1. When you come back a little bit, chapter number three, on his baptism, the scripture says, when he was walking out of the waters, a voice was heard. Behold, my son, in whom I am well pleased. But as soon as he entered into the wilderness, listen to the temptation, because the enemy was there. The enemy heard the voice. That's why in the wilderness he comes and says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. What is being challenged it is his position in the family. Those who study the word, they tell us that even when you peruse through the scripture, you find that Jesus addressed God not as God. 99% of the times, Jesus never referred God as God. With the exception of a couple of verses, one of them when he was on the cross, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the rest of the times, he addressed him as father. 
Why? Because he wanted you and I as believers to really understand the depth of our relationship with him. That we are children and he is the father. Can I just run through a few, a few verses that indicate that? When you go to Matthew chapter number 11, verse 27, he says, All things have been delivered to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. Nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal to him. He's addressing God as the father. Matthew 11 verse number 25. At that time Jesus said, I praise you, father. Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to who? You have revealed these things to little children. John chapter number 17, when Jesus was praying, verse 25 to 26. John 17, 25 to 26. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. He always addressed God as Father. John 5, verse 37. John 5, verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. He's always addressing him as what? As Father. John 17, verse 20 to 23. John 17, verse 20 to 23. I'll take my time there because I really want this to sing to me. 20 to 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray, so, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, 2021, 20, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He's always addressing him as Father. Just pick another one. John 14, verse 1 to 4. John 14 verse 1 to 4, when the disciples were troubled, he says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in, in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? There are many mansions in my father's house. He always addressed God as his father. Why? Because your position in the family is what is going to be challenged the most. So when you lack confidence in terms of who you are and who he is, the enemy can easily deceive you. But I pray to you this afternoon that in everything that you do, always remember that you've got the great advantage of being part of the family. And in that family, you are a child of God. You are a child of God in that family. God is your father. God is your father. That is why John chapter number 1 verse number 12 says, to those who believed him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. He gave them the permission to become the children of God. That's the intention 
That is the mind. That is the heart of God. That in everything that you do, come to that place, come to that level where you fully understand that as for me, I am a child of God. Because there's a difference between to be called a child of God and to be called a son of God. Right? There is a difference. And I like how the scripture is emphasizing that the spirit testifies with our spirits that we are children of God. We are children of what? Of God. Here's the difference. The difference is that when the scripture says you children of God, it means you're coming to full sonship. Like I demonstrated here, that when Nyasha was adopted to Deacon, Deacon Bizi as the family, he becomes a full son. He becomes not a half son, but he becomes a full son. He becomes a full son with all the privilege other children do have in that family. You become a full child. But when the scripture says son of God, the scripture is talking about mature sonship. It's referring to Nyasha who's already in the family. Right. But Nyasha must come to a place of maturity when Nyasha is able to take to have responsibility over the estate of his father. That is now maturity. That is why when Romans 8 verse number 14 says, those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So in other words, if I'm going to read it the other way around, without distorting the meaning, I would say, mature children or mature sons are led by the Spirit. Can you get it? Those who are mature in the things of the Spirit, they know that my life is led by the Spirit. I am a child in the house. But I need to mature to the level where I understand that maturity is being led by the Spirit. Oh, am I talking to the house this morning? That is maturity in your Christian walk. The moment you come to the level of understanding that is for me, I'm not led by Facebook. Where you understand that is for me, my steps are not ordered by WhatsApp groups. That's maturity. Ah, because a majority of us, we are still there. Yeah? We are still there. You hear something on, on, on WhatsApp and you are running with it very fast. It's like you catch the vision and you run with it. And I can hear Habakkuk says, write the vision. And these WhatsApp groups, they are writing the vision. So that he who reads may run with it. And you are running so fast with everything that you are getting from WhatsApp. But let me tell you, maturity in your Christian faith, it is when you understand that I'm not led externally, but I'm led from the inside. And the one who lives inside of me is the Holy Spirit. So every prompting of the Holy Spirit is calling for me to obey. It's calling me to obedience. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. But before you mature, you must understand that I'm a full child in this house. Never doubt your place in the family. I am a full child in the family of God. I always say chest out, shoulders up, head high, walk confidently, tackle anything in your life with this confidence, God is my daddy, yeah, God is my daddy, he is my father, he is my father, I was listening to one person who was kind of like demonstrating the difference between uh, having God as God because God is a title but when you address him as father that's more an intimate relationship there's a closeness that only comes and I'll copy the example because you are saying just like me if, if Shalom is in bed 
and or Shema is outside and, and, and something happens, you know, they, they will not lift up their voice and say, Pastor Danny. No. They, they will not say, Pastor Danny, Pastor, please come and help us. They don't even need to explain what's going on. Oh, they will say, Daddy. And I can tell by the tone of their voice, them saying, Daddy, it doesn't matter what I'll be doing. Everything stops. And I have to what? I have to attend to them. Why? Because daddy has been called by virtue of a relationship that exists between me and Shalom. And him calling me daddy, it forces me to stop everything and respond to the cry of Shalom. That is exactly the relationship that happens that exists between you and your father. He is your father. So the moment the moment you're going through stuff and you're saying, Pastor, I can't pray. Let me tell you this one word prayer that you need to make. Daddy, help me. When you say daddy, you're not referring to Pastor Dan. You're referring to him. Daddy, help me. Father. Even when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, say, our. Can you see what I'm saying? Say, our father. He wants you to understand that you have a relationship with him. That others who are not in the kingdom do not have at all. And I want you to understand this and understand clearly. That I shall not be disadvantaged. The voice of the enemy in my life shall not cause me to be disadvantaged. Because the voice is whispering something else. And that whisper is trying to move me from my position in the family of being a child. Where I begin to view God as God, but not as Father. There are two, two, there are two different things. But I pray that in all that you do, may you have this mentality, this mindset. That when you are approaching him, you are approaching your father. You are approaching your daddy. You are approaching your daddy. That's why Romans says, for we have not received the spirit to fear back to bondage again, but we have received the spirit of sonship or the spirit of adoption, whereby we are now entitled, we are now qualified, we now have the right to say to God, you are Abba, Father. Other people cannot do that. Why? Because they have not yet been adopted into the family. But once you have been adopted, now you can address him as Abba, Father. He is your daddy. And he is a good father. The music team sang that song. You are a good, good father. That is who you are. And I'm loved by you. That is who I am. He's talking about the relationship that exists between you and him. Father and children. Father and children. Somebody shout, I am a child of God. Somebody shout, I am a child of God. Tell somebody who's next to you and say, you are a child of God. You cannot afford to allow the enemy to disadvantage you. When you are already a child, you cannot afford that. Don't let him whisper otherwise. You are a child of God. And he cannot reverse that. He cannot change your place in the family. But the only thing he can do is to deceive you. Because deception is the only way the enemy can make you walk out of the blessings of God. That's the only way. He does not have power to carry you. 
You know somebody saying, oh, can, you, can you carry me? I'm 90 kgs. No, he cannot carry you. Even if you are size zero, he cannot carry you. But the only thing he can do to you is what? He can deceive you. And the greatest deception is to make you think that you are not a child of God. But no matter what, be Christ a clean. As for me, I'm a child of God. So when you do whatever you're doing, do like a child of God. When you work, work like a child of God. When you serve in the house of the Lord, serve like a child of the Father. Yeah? When you sing in the house of the Lord, sing like a child. Oh, am I talking to somebody in the house? And as for me, when I preach, I'm going to preach like a son in the house. With authority and with power. Because I understand that I have a father who loves me, who has embraced me, who has taken me in. And the Holy Spirit was there witnessing. <laughs> I was meditating yesterday and I was thinking, you know, when people get married, we normally say, uh, my best friend is going to be there. The best what? Best men. Right. So they are the ones who are given the, the, the privilege to what? To put their signature on your marriage certificate. But you know, sometimes we do it without understanding. Have you ever thought, why do they need two signatures? And those who do it with full understanding, normally they don't pick up their best friends. They actually pick the closest relatives in the family, like the aunties, the uncles. Right? Why do they do that? So that in the event of a dispute, the witnesses can go to the courts of the law. Even the British law, they can go to the courts of law and say, we were there. We, we witnessed what happened. So these two, they were married. So if you pick your best friend and then you guys, you part ways. And then when you want the best friend to come and witness, they are nowhere to be found. I, I can sense some people saying, I think we need to go and get married again. And do it with understanding. Am I talking to somebody in the house? But when you look at the role of a witness, a wit you cannot witness remotely. You cannot say, ah, because it, it, the wedding was on Facebook Live, so I, I, I'm a witness. No, you need to be present. That's the witness. A witness needs to be what? To be present. Why am I saying all these things? When God adopted you, the Holy Spirit was present. So the, the Holy Spirit, when, when he comes to testify to you, he's got supporting evidence that, hey, don't doubt it. You are a child of God, a full child. The spirit does not testify what he was hearing other angels saying. He's testifying what he was hearing in the presence. Because he was there. He was present. His presence was present. Glory be to God. Am I communicating to somebody this morning in the house? So I'm saying to you, on part number one we said, I, I am not disadvantaged. So as we, as we tackle the year now, as we embrace the year and the decade, I want you to come to a place where you understand that as long as the Holy Spirit is living in me, I am not disadvantaged. And I'm not going to make the worst mistake of disadvantaging myself. 
in all the things that I'm going to be doing in life, I'm not going to disadvantage myself because I'm not listening to the inward voice of guidance. And I'm not going to allow anyone to disadvantage me. Don't allow anyone, especially the enemy. Don't allow him to talk you out of your blessing. Don't allow him to walk to talk you out of your family position. You are a child of God. And God is your daddy. He's your father. Glory be to God. Do I have people that now believe that I am a child of God? Do I have people that your, your heart is, 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 is confirming, is testifying to you that, you know what, I, I am a child of God. Don't listen to your head. Listen to your heart. Your heart is pumping and it's staying. But I'm a child of God. And your mind is saying, are you really? Tell, tell yourself, I am a child of God. That's it and nothing's going to change it. So whatever you do in life, always remember, I'm a child of God. When you face challenges in life, don't forget. But sometimes, you know, sometimes it's good just to pause and say, but, but I'm a child of God. It's good sometimes when storms are raging on you. Sometimes it's good just to take a pause, look at the challenge and say, but, 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 but I'm a child of God. Yeah. But I'm a child of God. You know, that alone, you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to minister a number of things in life. As for me here, this is what I'm hearing inside of me. That the moment you stand up and say, but, but I'm a child of God, you begin to invoke your rights. You begin to activate your privileges. Because the moment you begin to see yourself from that dimension, you begin to see what you're entitled to. And you begin to see that, you know what, this one is, is not supposed to be messing around with my life. Do they, do they really know who I am? I, I am a child of God. And, and just in case maybe you, you've forgotten, the one we are saying your father, the God, is the one who created the heavens and the earth. So sit down and remind yourself, I, I'm daddy's child. I'm daddy's daughter. Don't, don't forget to tell yourself when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, I, I'm, I'm daddy's child. He loves me. He cares for me. He provides for me. I'm a child of God. Yeah. Even though the enemy and the world is whispering a number of things in your ears, but always take a pause and say, you know what, but I, but I am, don't forget but. Say, but I am a child of God. Yeah. When people are saying you, you, your life will amount to nothing, just take a pause and say, I've heard you, but I'm a child of God. But I am a child of God. And allow the Spirit of God to begin to speak more into your life, to, to, to give life, to breathe power in your life. Why? Because you're taking a pause and connect with who you are. Can you go back to the Amplified Version for the last time? Romans chapter number 8, verse number 15. And I want us to read and start together. Just for the last time, if you don't mind just rising on your feet. The message translation, sorry. Or let's, let's do both of them, amplified, and then we'll go to the message translation. I want us to read this together, but I want you to allow the words to sink in you. Right? I want you to allow the words to what? To sink in you. Verse number 16, sorry. And I want you to personalize. I, I normally do that, isn't it? I want you to take the scripture and I want you to personalize. So where it's saying our, you say my. Is that okay? Let's read together. One, two, go. The spirit himself testifies and confirms together with my spirit, assuring me that I, the believer, am a child of God. Can we do that together again? 
the Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with my spirit, assuring me that I, believer, am a child of God. Let's do the amplified, the, the message translation for the last time. Let's go. One, two, go. God's spirit touches my spirit and confirms who I am. Why? Yeah. And I know who he is. And I know who I am. Father and child. Can you do that again for the last time? God's spirit touches my spirit and confirms. I know who he is. And I know who I am. Father and child. That is your verse. That is your portion. That is your life. Can I just ask you just to lift up your hand wherever you are. I want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to thank God, your Father. I want you to begin to address Him as your Father. And say, Father, I thank you for making me a full child in the family. For making me a full daughter, a full son in the house. Who is entitled to all the rights. Who is entitled to all the privileges that come with me becoming part of your family. You know what? As a child, you're entitled to the healing that the Father gives. As a child, you are entitled to the prosperity the Father gives. As a child, you are entitled to the protection that only the Father gives. As a child, you are entitled to, to the guidance that only the Father gives to his children. All those things, they belong to you. They are the kind of things that you don't to beg for. You are entitled to by virtue of who you are in the family. You are a child of God. Go ahead and thank your father. Go ahead and give glory to your father and say thank you father. Thank you for tuning into Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description. Until we meet again, may heaven keep smiling at you.